Welcome to Build and Learn. My name is Colin. And I'm CJ. And hey, we've officially survived past that one year point for a podcast. We made it. Most podcasts don't make it one year. And that's because of the podcast fade, the pod fade. I think that this is one of those like consistency things. This is the going to the gym, any habit. I have a newsletter. I have a blog. I don't keep them up to date as much, but I like that we put this on the calendar and we get to chat. So especially now that we're not in the same place anymore and it's still still something I want to do. So excited mm-hmm. to hit that. And, and Transistor has this little fun badge system that I think is nice to just when you log in to edit an episode. I just saw it was a year. I don't think I would have noticed otherwise. So kudos to the team over there. Just a little fun, fun surprise and delight in the Transistor product. Yeah, they've got like quite a few little gamification things built in that are pretty neat for podcasters. So there's like lots of little badges and things you can earn throughout. So pretty neat. What are you working on this week, Colin? I am still a little bit in calendar hell. It's been fun. If you listen to the last, I think actually two episodes, I've been talking about Google Calendar APIs and Cloudflare workers and things like that. So still working on my Google Calendar bot. It's been fun. I've learned a lot about Cloudflare. Like I, I had to like, kind of like when you're working with lambdas, you make like different functions for different things. And I thought I had to do that in Cloudflare. And so I had like six Cloudflare workers and turns out you can just put them all in one. Cloudflare worker. So that was the the big takeaway for this week. A lot easier to deploy and manage like the same resources and stuff. So they all have access to the same database and key value store and all that stuff to do uh, all the different crons that I have to do. If you've never worked with the API before, like you can subscribe to a calendar's notifications like new event, edit event, delete event, canceled events, but it expires after 30 days. And so you have to renew the subscription on top of also catching the events and dealing with those. So I I had set it up as like a subscription renewal worker and then a subscription like event like kind of route to catch those webhooks and things. So yeah, just been playing around with that, getting that going. It's quite satisfying to get my first like you have an upcoming event message where it wasn't just telling me what I had for the day, but it was telling me like right before the event that I had a meeting to get to. So that was kind of cool. That's awesome. So for the subscription renewal bit, can you, is it like you get a refresh token and then you just use the refresh token to get like a new access key or something or, okay, got it. Yeah. And and Google auth doesn't last very long anyway. So I had to build refresh into the whole system. So I kind of made like a function that gets their access token and if it's expired renews it so you always have a fresh token but i also don't want to refresh all the time just because you might be making multiple calls so i usually i i do a try catch and if it fails for token like in like grant invalid then i do a refresh and this is one of those things that i feel like i have to write over and over and over again and like mm-hmm. i think like stripe and others you like have that built into the sdks and stuff these days but I usually don't use SDKs and do a lot of bare REST client stuff. So, yeah. Or fetch. Yeah. I like that pattern. I know, like, I mean, for a lot of OAuth APIs, they'll give you a refresh token. I mean, some of them don't do the refresh thing. They're just like, here's an access token that's available forever. Or, like, if it gets revoked, then you just like have to go through the flow again. 
And yeah, I think when you're, when I was starting out, I definitely took the route of like, oh, I'm just going to refresh these every night. Like I'm just going to run a cron that goes through and re gives me new tokens every night. But yeah, I definitely find that it can be a little bit smoother to sort of like lazily refresh. Like you said, just like wait till you actually need to use it. Try to use it. If it doesn't work, try to refresh it. Use the refreshed one. If that doesn't work, then you like handle yeah. your errors gracefully. But it actually, cool. I think it, it helps clean up the code a little bit too. It makes it more reusable because you're going to be calling it again after you refresh. You're going to make the same call you made before. So like when I'm prototyping, I don't necessarily design it that way. And then it makes me like modularize the code a little bit and try catch and then call itself again. And I think Google's, they only last a few hours. So you would want, you wouldn't want to like refresh every few hours if you're not doing anything with that data. But yeah, that's, that's kind of been an OAuth land and lots and lots and lots of practice makes perfect, I guess. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. What are you working on? Well, a bunch of stuff, but let's see. So similar sort of OAuthy thing, we were, we're building a tool to ingest a bunch of messages from this like chat client that we use called Podium. So we have like a web chat interface where people can come to the website and text us and say, hey, I want certain rooms painted or walls painted. And this company, Podium, has an API for pulling out conversations. They do not have an API for listing messages related to a conversation. So you like have to know the ID of the specific message. So it was kind of, uh, it's been a little bit of a research project this week to set up OAuth and then, you know, try hitting the API to see what we can get. And then ultimately we had to like submit a support request to ask for the messages to be exported, which is mm. fine for our use case. Cause we want to, right now we're like working on building out some data science-y things for a little bot, but yeah, in the future, it would be awesome to be able to just like list those messages out. Also working on building out and improving like the UX for a bunch of pages in our, our like operations tool. And this week I was adding some tab views for like the project view. So if you're like in the sales team, you look at the sales tab and it gives you everything you need to know about the status, the sales status and where the person is in the pipeline and what the opportunity size is and the partners are working with their communication preferences and things like that. And then if you're on the operation side or if you're on the paint crew, you see different views. And I was, I was like remembering back to the bootstrap days where you could just sort of like drop in some bootstrap tabs, add some, a little bit of JavaScript and you were good to go. And yeah, I mean, there's, when you're working in the front end with something like React, there's often like, you know, some library you can just drop in. And when you're using Tailwind, it can be really nice to just use the Tailwind UI things that come with React or Vue. And so that's what I was sort of reaching for, but it doesn't fit nicely in the Rails ecosystem by default if you're using sort of just like the vanilla HTML ERB. And so I found Chris Oliver built a Tailwind stimulus wrapper that has like a bunch of the components. So Tabs was in there and was able to drop that in and use it effectively. And so that, that like worked out really, really well. Nice. Yeah. I so, would not have thought that would have been an issue, but I can see how that would come up. Right. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I mean, tabs, you could pretty simply build your own stimulus controller to just say like, 
you know, listen for clicks on these allies. And when that happens, remove the hidden class from the panel that you want to display or whatever. So I think implementing tabs is a pretty fun little like entry front end JavaScript problem to do. But when you're moving, I don't know when, when I'm trying to be as productive as possible, I'm like, I don't want to reinvent this. Like, no, especially with tailwind, like gives it to you and you're exactly. like, I'm using rails. I shouldn't be punished for this. Yeah. Yeah. So I found another shout a, out for Chris. Yes, exactly. I'm like, I am using so much of his stuff. It's crazy. Like the, our, our stack is like at least half of it is written by Chris, which I, yeah, hugely, hugely appreciate. If you, uh, if you haven't already and you're a rails dev, go subscribe to go rails just to like help Chris out. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But it's fun. I don't know. It's like using stimulus. I, I've really started to like enjoy using stimulus for a bunch of different things. Just even if it's as simple as just showing and hiding forms or, you know, little tiny interactions that you need on a page. So popping modals or whatever stimulus is just so nice to just sprinkle in a tiny bit of JavaScript where you need it. And then the rest is, you know, basically just server rendered HTML, which is, is very nice. So, yeah. Yeah, I actually haven't been touching Rails frontends since stimulus really was a thing. Like I've mostly been doing when I was doing Rails, it was mostly backend stuff, more APIs and more OAuth fun and stuff like that. So I that's an area that's like a blind spot for me. So I I have seen a stimulus controller and I was like, what is this thing? <laughs> if you're coming from like JavaScript or like it's it's very interesting, but I could see how you need to like have that glue between tailwind components and what rails is doing under the hood mm -hmm. when you were at at orbit what was the front end for the orbit app we definitely had it was a it was a lot of stimulus like in our our filter view like that was all stimulus i believe so you could like add your filters for like which member you're looking for we had react components but i don't know when and where the that's where like it gets fuzzy like we have react components but how how you interact with them from the app I think was using stimulus as, as the glue between this, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. That's cool. Interesting. Yeah. We, we do like our marketing site is all built in Next.js and we've been sort of exploring how do we bring some stuff, like some react stuff and then just sprinkle that around the app the same way that we are with stimulus. But I, I haven't gotten like too deep into that yet. Mm -hmm. So that'll be, well, I, I bet tabs are easier on the Next.js website, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah. You just like drop in just some JavaScript. React. Yeah. Some actually you could probably just copy and paste the examples directly from Tailwind UI or Headless UI or whatever, and it should just work. But yeah, things like combo boxes, we have like a drop down list where you can add a specific paint color to a project. And in the combo box, I wanted to show like a little palette that has the hex, like a little circle that is the hex color for the paint color, then the name of the color the brand and like its little code. So like the Sherwin Williams code or the Benjamin Moore code or whatever, and building a like really rich, each of the options really rich into like a select or drop down box was made so much easier with, with these little tailwind components. I'd say, I don't know if you're using Rails stuff, go check out Chris's tailwind stimulus wrapper. We've also got sort of a research project going on. We have, I know I mentioned this like podium tool that is where we have our chat widget, but eventually we love to sort of centralize all of our communication. So we have phone calls, web chat, text message, and then even other like social channels 
all of that coming into one source where we can like view all the past conversation history. Mm -hmm. And so I've been digging into Twilio Flex, which is kind of like, it's almost like the support agent interface that lets you say like, as an agent, yes, right now I'm available and I'm online and I can handle conversations or whatever. And then it will ring your phone or it will, you'll get the web chat or you'll get the text message and you can kind of like handle each conversation. And right now the whole entire UI is basically just dropped in as an, an iframe and like into our application. And so over the next couple of weeks, something that I want to play with a lot is like using the Twilio APIs to create contacts and create conversations and start to like build mappings between like what's in Twilio and what's in our system just to see if Twilio is the right answer. I don't actually know if that's the way we're going to go, but yeah, like Twilio, Intercom, any other sort of like multi-channel communication platform. Curious if you've had, you have opinions or thoughts about things we should avoid, things we should try. Is this anything you've touched before in the past? Oh yeah. I've done a bunch of call center stuff. I would say avoid Salesforce. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. I forgot. Sorry, Salesforce, but. You know, they have a lot of this stuff built in, but like Twilio feels like a strong direction because you get SMS, you get phone calls, you get the ability to do reminders and voice reminders that are automated and all that stuff, which is really powerful. If you have multiple agents around the world eventually, right? Like people answering calls or texting or whatever, then it's whatever one is enabled. Like a lot of the tools out there promise that stuff, but it's like... (laughs) It's promised that you can go get a consultant to then implement it, not out of the box, right? And whereas you guys are already using the bare metal Twilio stuff, so like you might as well just extend off of that. I don't. Does Intercom do text and voice stuff these days? I am not sure. I so I've only looked. Yeah, the I've only really looked into Twilio so far, and we're kind of still early in in the research phase. But yeah, yeah, it's my understanding that Intercom has fewer channels. But yeah, like I I kind of also expected that Twilio Flex would have a bit more in terms of helping you connect to your own CRM or like your own sort of like customer database. It really just has support for a couple out of the box. I think it's Zendesk and maybe Salesforce where like those partners of Twilio have built integrations into Twilio Flex. And it seems like if you want your CRM built into this, then you kind of like have to invent, reinvent all of the API connections, which Hmm. at the end of the day, they're giving you an interface, which is much better than nothing and just having the raw APIs. But yeah, I mean, this is the tricky classic build versus buy thing, right? It's like, how close to the bare metal do you go? Mm -hmm. What's your competitive advantage, right? And we talked about this in last few episodes in the past, but the tricky thing with that is like, if you were to, let's just say you, you, it sounds like you guys are building a CRM in a way you have infinite flexibility there versus if you go use a Salesforce, you will constantly be running up against what you're not allowed to do, what you can do. Oh, we have to pay more to have access to that. Oh, that seat doesn't come with this. It's just, and like Salesforce is not the new thing. The whole what's old is new again around designing like new startups around old concepts. Like Paul Jarvis has his analytics tool, which is very similar to the analytics tool called Mint that was like, 2005, 2006 or something like that. And it was just better, simpler analytics than Google Analytics. And 
Salesforce was the simpler CRM against all these huge, you know, kind of incumbents. Salesforce it needs to be disrupted. Like most of the CRMs that I see today either live long enough to become the villain and they become the big Salesforce that they are. Same for Intercom. Like I think Intercom will probably get, you know, there'll be a new startup y version of Intercom that is simpler, cheaper. And they all end up going upstream to enterprise because they took so much funding and that they have to, which is why I'm kind of excited to see like the Calm Fund and Tiny Seed and stuff like that is that Salesforce would be a pain. So I would avoid that road. That's a long way of saying that, I guess. But, you know, there's things you can learn from that. I, I think you guys are on the right path with Twilio and it'd be interesting to see what you guys do with it. Cool. Yeah, it is. We are building some CRM features. But at the end of the day, we're kind of just the goal for this project is to centralize communication so that we have a full and complete history. And I mean, there's a bunch of gaps and issues with our current setup. Like you were using Google voice for some text message flows. And like, if anyone reads the text message, then it shows as read and no one else will know that it was read unless we're all being like super vocal about like, Hey, I read the text from so-and-so it meant it said this or whatever. So there's, uh, yeah, there's definitely gaps, but uh, lots of opportunity for us to centralize. I like that. So it's more shared inbox multimodal instead of CRM, right? Like, yes, there's the who, but you're not, I mean, you mentioned things like opportunities and deal flow and where they're at stages and stuff and but it's so specific like you would spend more time and money customizing like a real crm to do that than just using code right yeah we're we have like the coach built process for sales already built yeah for this small set of states that we are that we need and expect and what's cool is that now we can build whatever automations we want to on top of it. And whether we're yeah. using an API to do some third-party thing or we're building it ourselves, we can do that. So, yeah, it kind of it gives us the flexibility to integrate or like solve problems however we want to. Yeah. For instance, we don't have integrations with a third-party paint like manufacturer because apparently it doesn't exist. Or like, yeah, so there's not like an API to like order paint from like Sherwin Williams or whatever, or as far, as far as I understand. And so instead we communicate directly to an account manager at a certain place via text message. And so like early wow. versions of like order management is just going to be like build the text message that's going to be sent as like the order for the thing, which is all stuff that we can, that we can do because we have the flexibility and we're in a position like that we can build everything that we need. So, wow, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. fun. It's exciting. That's cool. Yeah. Like pulling back from the specific use case, do you the thing that I wonder, do you think a startup could build a CRM? I don't think the goal is to become as big as Salesforce. Like Salesforce is just insanely large, but like to unseat Salesforce, do you think that that is possible? I think, I definitely think so. And I think the way to do it is to niche, like niche down and be like, okay, we're building a CRM for hairstylists mm-hmm. and it's going to be like super, super specific to hair. And then you end up with Squire or something like that, right? Like, right. so yeah, I think it's the mind body think, online type of yes, thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The exactly. So, gym, CRM. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think the CRM, like CRM features are just, those are kind of just features of a system that's purpose built for a specific niche. And there's totally opportunity to go out and crush that. And I right. think a lot of people are kind of expecting 
they have like more expectations about software that they're going to buy to run their business, that it is already integrated with a bunch of stuff. Like they're going to want Stripe out of the box and they're going to want customer messaging right. out of the box and they're going to want whatever, some, some sort of reminders and the Slack integration, Discord integration and whatever. But still like the, the Salesforce API costs money, right? You have to be on a certain plan to have okay. access to it. And then if you want to customize it, you have to use their like lightning and visual force and like a subset of Java and like, there's just all these headaches there. So it would be, if anyone has not used Salesforce, like the admin screen is millions of pages. Like it's, you open these toggles, probably not millions, it's hyperbole, but you know, <laughs> you open a toggle and then there's like 10 more toggles. Then you open those toggles and there's like, you like hunt around for these things and they've They've added so many features for every use case that you have to hire consultants, which is what <laughs> one of the jobs I used to have just to implement it. And then you're not necessarily happy that you're paying a fortune for Salesforce and then a fortune to someone to make yep. it do what you want it to do. So it's the CRM one is one that has rolled around my head for a really long time, but it just feels, you know, it's similar to the past where like if you don't have a lot of funding, a lot of companies won't trust it because the funding is a signal that you're going to be around in some some people's eyes. Once the yep. funding dries up, you may not be around if you aren't a sustainable business. But I think like 37 Signals used to have high rise, but that was like kind of like a Fisher Price version of a CRM in my mind. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. It worked, but it was like a glorified calendar book. It wasn't really like yeah. a, a CRM. I think in terms of like customer support and sales, like really basic stuff for startups, there's definitely an opportunity to do something like maybe not as intense as Salesforce, but maybe closer to something like Zendesk yeah. where you could build a Zendesk competitor with some Twilio APIs and Jumpstart Pro and like a few smart things and a really nice design and a low, low price. And I think, you know, early startups would be like, hell yeah, like, yeah. The linear of Zendesk or the... yes, 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 exactly. That's just like these are free startup customer. ideas for everybody out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're following along at home, I you know so like as I was going through the the thought process of Twilio and how I might integrate it and everything, I was like, oh, you know what? I think I might record this as a video because there's enough like off the beaten path stuff that I need to like try and experiment with to see if it'll work. So if folks are interested in watching a probably a series because it'll take a while to figure stuff out like let us know also going back to the pod fade concept that we were talking about earlier man it is really really hard to put out content consistently i know you and i we took a break i haven't put out any videos on my own channel for like six months i know that my former team at stripe is like slowly sort of they don't foresee a ton more content coming out on that channel. So there is just, it is, it is really hard. I was talking to Aaron Kornblit from Webflow earlier today. He's also like slowed down on content for his own channel. I think a lot of people are just finding it really, really hard. And the point that you made about falling to the level of your systems, I thought was kind of interesting, especially because when, when I think about my blog and my like YouTube channel, and your newsletter and your blog and things like that, right? Like those were only held accountable to ourselves, right? And at least with this podcast, you and I are both sort of accountable to each other that like, okay, yeah, I'm going to show up today, even if I don't want to do it because I want to hang out with Colin and I want this yeah. to be successful and whatever. And so there's a little bit more pressure. And I think this is probably also 
it's part of the system. It's part of accountability. It's part of part of the reason too that I think YC invests in companies that have two or more founders because it really gives you like other people to lean on and other people to kind of like hold you accountable for just yeah. showing up. So it's funny you say that because I don't did did you see the conversation going around about whether or not you should have co-founders or not on Twitter this week? No. On- whoa, whoa. Yeah, it was of all people, it was the product person from Twitter, Esther Crawford, who was saying that of her angel investments, the ones that have gone to zero the fastest have been ones with co-founders where they have a co-founder dispute. And I will say, like, yes, those are real. Like you when you're starting a company with someone like you should not take that lightly, especially if you take investment. Right. Because you are now not just accountable to your co-founder who is in a weird way you're going to spend more time with them than your actual partner in some cases Mm -hmm. you also are now beholden to your stakeholders and then eventually hopefully your customers there's just so much involved there and so i know yc really likes to have founders who are like first time out of school three people who went to the same school together but like they really haven't seen life you know enough of life experience to to do it well and you know, usually you see, I think like even with Uber and Travis Kalanick and some of these others, like it, it was not, Uber was not his first rodeo by any means. There were a lot of missteps along the way. And I think they had their share of founder, you know, drama as well. So it's always interesting to see that thing of like doing a startup by yourself. There's just a lot to do. So like, I don't necessarily recommend that. And there's, I think YC and Techstars both are like, well, if you can't convince someone else to come along with, you as a co-founder then why do you think we should invest that that yeah. kind of argument is also interesting but there's something to be said about just being able to build slow and calm and by yourself and work on it but then like what you just mentioned like you're now only accountable to yourself no one knows if you are showing up today to work on it or not versus having that that partner to do that with mm-hmm. so are you so do you do you have any updates about your door app we had talked about like you're going to take a couple of days off to work on the Rena Collective. Yeah, so I guess this episode's going to another place I we didn't expect, but it, it works. Okay, it's awesome. good because this is like the build versus buy thing, but it's also an issue with a startup that raised money and has to go upstream. So we've been using this tool called Robin to run our conference rooms at the Collective, so the co-working space for for those of you who are new to this, and it worked really great, but it was getting more and more expensive and they have to go upstream because conference room booking as a business onto itself when you've taken a bunch of money and you've gotten really big and you have a lot of employees is not a full business, right? People want to rent desks. And so the app now touts some really cool customers that are huge compared to this measly little co-working space that we are. And so I don't fault them for going upstream. They have to. They're seeing a lot that they can do around like health wellness check-ins like when you want to book a desk and come into your company like a google or whoever they want to say like okay you know everything from your badging system at stripe and discord or wherever to physical digital security are you going to have a desk in a co-working space like a lot of companies have reinvented their hqs as like glorified co-working spaces and so they built all their tooling around that and so like the app for us just doesn't it's expensive. It doesn't make sense for us anymore. Our members are finding it confusing because they're like, oh, I log in and it's asking me to book a desk. I'm like, yeah, don't use that tab. Go to the other tab. 
<laughs> and we just don't have any control over the app and the experience. I've been holding off on just building my own for a really long time, but I've also been playing around with calendar APIs a <laughs> lot. So I'm, I'm playing around with it. My first prototype is a React app that just checks whether or not each calendar is free or busy right now. So mm-hmm. it would basically be red or green, depending on if the room is booked. So that part, surprisingly, will be like the easier part. The harder part is letting people book, mm-hmm. having the UI to do the booking and, and all of that stuff. I think we'll start with just building it for ourselves with no expectation, but maybe yeah. it'll become a conference room booking app that's just run by one person. We'll see. Is the Google Calendar API, You can, I assume you can create events through it. Yep. And even if you're not authenticated as the, you're probably authentic, like auth as like we are the co-working space and then just use yep. that auth token to create the room or like book the room or whatever. Yeah. And you can do things like with service accounts and stuff. You can actually Got impersonate. It. So there's like all sorts of OAuth magic you can do with Google. But the other way to think of it is that like an MVP would be having a Calendly to book the rooms. <laughs> It right. requires us to like create each room as a person. Very cool. Thanks for the update. And it sounds like a fun project. I know like the further I get into my career, I'm getting a little bit better at not just like building stuff that I'm like, oh yeah, that would be easy to do. Let me just build some little web scraper that goes and gets the data I need for this thing. It's like, okay, yeah, that, that'll work for a minute. And then like, right. it'll explode. So yeah, it's it's I'm 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 definitely struggling finding a balance between saying like no, you shouldn't build the thing because there's existing solutions out there and the TAM isn't big enough and whatever and then also just you should just build it cuz it'd be fun and it'd be like interesting and if it happens to work, great. If it doesn't work then whatever, like try some other solution, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's what this like Twilio Flex plus Jumpstart thing will end up being. I think we've talked about this in the past with build versus buy, but like in a way, Rails is like a hybrid of the two. Like you're not building everything from scratch. Like Jumpstart gives you so much out of the box. Rails is giving you so much power. And then Flex, you know, literally flexing over here on Twilio. So like (laughs) it's it's good. You got it. I think it's a happy medium. You may go down that path a little bit and find that it's too deep of a rabbit hole and I think like keeping in mind, like, is this, you know, a unique value prop for us or Mm -hmm. is it not? Because I've been at a company where we were going to spend like six weeks on a billing system. It's like, is us billing our customer unique to us? No. Why should we be spending six weeks doing that? Right. If billing is broken in the industry of getting your house painted, then sure. But I suspect that's not the problem, right? It's probably getting your house painted is the bigger problem. Yeah, that is great. I, you know what, when, when I'm in it too, it's so hard to, to keep that high level view of like, what is the most important thing for the business. And I'm sure everyone who's working on a startup does this and they're just like, gosh, I want these tabs to work. It's like, okay, if these tabs aren't working, if instead you just throw everything on the page, is that going to be good enough for now and then you know try to prioritize and focus on the problems that are going to really move the needle for the business that's tough this gets into like product management a little bit which we can definitely talk about in the future but you know having an appetite like yeah we want those tabs but do we want the tabs if it's going to take us a week to build them probably not right 
Right, right, totally, totally. I think that's a good spot to leave it. Thanks for listening to Build and Learn. As always, you can head over to buildandlearn.dev to check out the show notes. We'll drop links to things we talked about. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks. Okay.